From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. Three G, four G, and now five G. It seems like every time you turn on the TV or surf the web, you see ads for how fast your smartphone is or how fast it could be if you just switch networks. 5G is the future, and it will change the way the world works forever. T-Mobile will build a 5G network to make that future possible. We're very excited to announce that Verizon will be the first in the world to provide a commercial 5G service, including rapid broadband internet and 5G mobility services. As businesses explore new applications and services, they'll need a next-generation network to support their innovations. And with the AT&T vision for 5G, entire industries could be transformed. Every one of these promising new breakthroughs will be built on the common foundation of 5G, enabling billions of things to be made smart through seamless connectivity, massive computing power, and access to rich data and analytics stored at the eye of the cloud. All of which means one company is uniquely positioned to power 5G end to end. Intel. Everyone wants faster and more abundant mobile coverage. And while the introduction of fifth generation networks, or 5G, does mean we can download Netflix and podcasts faster, much of our everyday life will soon be inexorably attached to 5G. So what does the federal government have to do with 5G? A lot, actually. Recently, the Federal Communications Commission said that developing the 5G network is a global race and the stakes are high. Not just because this is a race for faster internet, but because this is a race for economic leadership for the next decade. So what is the FCC doing to ensure that America is leading in the race to 5G dominance? What role do states, cities, and municipalities play in this? And... What are some of the cool things currently being developed that are relying on 5G? Brent Scorp is a senior research fellow at George Mason University's Mercatus Center and an ally of the Heritage Foundation. This week, he explains. Let's start at the very, very beginning here. Tell me what the primary difference between 4G and 5G is. 5G networks will have much higher speeds, much reliability, and you'll be able to do more real-time apps. And and by apps, I mean applications that that many of us are familiar with. These things are on on our smartphone, like Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, Google Maps. These these all work great on on, on 4G networks. With with 5G, the idea is when when you have more bandwidth, you you can do more niche apps, things like enterprise applications, perhaps robotics, perhaps drones, perhaps flying cars, which are coming. So these are all different applications that you can do when you have much more liability and and a much more robust network. We talk about implementing 5G network all around the country. What are we waiting for? Why, what's taking it so long? In short, it's uh, infrastructure. It's building. So with with 4G networks that we're all, all familiar with, we, we you know pretty much everyone has a 4G phone in, in their pocket. And these these use cellular towers as as we know them these two hundred foot masts that are in fields on top of buildings, 
And, and these are shared. Each one is shared by hundreds of people. 5G, the idea is to get more capacity, to get more reliability, you need what are called small cells. And whereas the traditional 4G towers, 3G towers, blast transmissions, and you know, a five-mile, 20-mile radius, small cells, 5G small cells will transmit for a few hundred meters in urban areas. And you just get much more capacity. You're not sharing the network with, with as many people. And so you you get uh, you can do many more services. You have more reliability, and and that's the idea. But that requires all these small cells in urban areas. Requires digging up streets, laying fiber, laying conduit, and and that's an expensive process. So when you talk about small cells versus these big towers, you're talking about these these big towers that have these big blinking lights. When you fly over at night and you see them big red blinking lights in the middle of a field. That's a cell tower right now that's currently blasting out the 4G signal that we all have on our phones, correct? Right. So, yeah, they're typically about 200 feet, and they're even on top of those very high towers with, with the red lights, uh, and, right? And then you're talking now that we're going to abandon that, and in order to get 5G, we're going to put small little kind of squares well, just they, hang them all over the place. Talk a little bit about that. That's so really interesting. 4G won't be abandoned. 5G is more of an overlay on top of the existing network. So we'll, we'll continue to have 4G. Uh, it's, it's an important network that, that we all rely on. 5G will be overlaid on top of that, and particularly in, in uh, urban areas, but, but everywhere eventually. But in urban areas where there's uh, a lot more congestion on the network, they will have these 5G small cells, which will be uh, much smaller than, you know, the, you know, the size of a backpack, the size of a refrigerator, um, much more than the traditional ones, which are taller than you and me. So you're going to be putting these things on street corners and front yards, maybe? I mean, where, where are you going to find these small yeah, cells? So it gets touchy about how you, whenever you put infrastructure in, in urban areas, there are local politics and aesthetics you have to deal with. So, um, But right now you, you are seeing these things, and they can be discrete. They can be built onto... Utility poles and light poles, and and uh, and you, you can you can design them in a way that they're uh, that they blend in, and I think in time people will adapt, and, and you won't even notice them in time. Uh, you've written that federal policy is important to get right, but also local government policy. Uh, how are those policies standing in the way currently, and what can be done to alleviate that? So cities and states, this is a novel issue, digging up roads, putting fiber in, connecting, putting all these small cells on utility poles and, and light poles. This, these are new things that cities haven't dealt with in the past. And the carriers and cities are kind of learning as they go about how to do this in a way that, uh, that doesn't upset neighbors, that, that makes sure cities are compensated at a fair rate, but also that they're not extracting uh, unreasonable fees from from the carriers as, as they try to build out these new networks. Let's talk about the differences between 5G and 4G. What are we going to be able to do with 5G that we can't currently do with 4G? So I I, I can't predict the future accurately, but as I but you can try though. I, I can try. <laughs> I can try. So we know we know a few things will happen with 5G. Uh, people and carriers already deploying some pre-standard 5G networks. And, and what they're doing, uh, you, you'll get um, these mobile devices that you can you can cut the landline at your home and use mobile only for broadband. So you, you don't need the, 
the cable broadband router that we're all uh, familiar with. You can you can just have a little puck that plugs into the wall and, and use that. Uh, so that that's that's a common one uh, that gets talked about. Five G, just internet access in the home, uh, gaming. Of course, if you have more reliable network, more bandwidth, you can do uh, better games. There there are some companies out there today uh, for driverless car applications. So self driving cars for the next for the foreseeable future will run in circumstances where they can't where the co- computer on board can't figure out where to go or what to do and in that case they will phone to someone perhaps hundreds of miles away via wireless network and someone will remotely drive that self-driving car uh, out of that tricky situation this is already happening today wow. with, with these pilot tests wow. and so with 5G with more reliability with higher bandwidth you can do that sort of thing there's there's a, another application out there, and, and as I'm suggesting, a lot of these applications are out there. Five G will just allow more of them and more of these niche products. But there's an application uh, called Ira. It's it's a company that makes smart glasses for visually impaired people or blind people. Uh, the person uh, wears these glasses. There's a camera on it that's that's scanning, taking in the environment, and via wireless signal, it's again going hundreds of miles away to someone, a virtual assistant. Who is speaking into their ear? It's a it's a real human uh, who's speaking into their ear, telling them what's the environment, what's you know perhaps what's on the menu at the restaurant they're at, uh, what, the, what the produce looks like in the grocery store. It's it's uh, really exciting. Uh, as I said, this is on the market today with 4G networks, but with 5G, these become more reliable and 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 uh, and much more vastly deployed to other people. Are there some states that are doing uh, good in terms of promoting policy? And and what, who are some of those that stand out to you? There are states that are doing great work in this area. About two dozen states have passed uh, 5G bills uh, that that go out of their way to to be accommodating, to welcome these new networks in, to have fair fees for, for carriers, not excessive fees. And, and yeah, over 20 states have done this. Uh, Indiana stands out. I know Verizon is uh, deployed a few weeks ago, de- deployed the first uh, 5G networks, pre-standard 5G networks in, in Indianapolis uh, and I believe three other cities. And and so th- this is happening. Uh, the standards are, are almost complete and, and carriers are already deploying these 5G networks and, and pre-standard 5G networks out there. What about some uh, bad states or bad municipalities that are, are, are passing certain policies? So there, there are some... Some large cities that stand out, and I'd like to believe that they will see the light eventually. So I, I don't, I don't want to come down too harshly on them. Some states, some cities see a revenue opportunity, and so 5G networks they need to go into public rights away. They need to go in city streets. They need permission from local regulators to get in there and and and, and dig up streets and dig up rights of way. And and cities, some cities are are using this as an opportunity to gain revenue. And, and I hope they won't see it that way. I hope cities will see themselves as partners with with the carriers and, and not as adversaries and not as not as uh, a piggy bank to, to receive money. Well, then that brings us to uh, what our president loves to talk about, and that's winning. What do we need to do to win? We talk about China competing against us to get 5G. We talk about Korea uh, competing against us to get 5G, and we talk about Europe competing against us to get 5G, and 
the FCC talks about it. Uh, you've talked about it. A lot of people have talked about winning the 5G race. So, are we winning currently? And how will we know we've won? It, it looks good. It looks good for the U.S. And and I should say, if we back up and look at previous generations of networks, why to explain why why this is important. So, with with 2G networks in in the late 90s. Japan really took the lead and and built out 2G and and had 2G uh, was texting. Yeah, to, and and very low speed data. Japan took the lead in, in 2G and a lot of the apps, a lot of the exciting apps were built in Japan for J- Japanese networks and Japanese device makers. 3G, Europe kind of took the lead on on 3G about 15 years ago and and again, a lot of the device makers and, and standards were, were designed for European companies and European apps companies. Happy to say with, with 4G, say eight years ago, the U.S. carriers really really took a lead in the standard setting process in building out these networks. And, and the U.S. is head and shoulders above everyone else when it comes to an apps economy and, and apps jobs and, and Uber and Lyft and, and all these mobile companies that we're familiar with. Almost all of them are based in the U.S., and so that's that's why this race, the five G, is 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 a term. There comes a benefit from being the first, from being the ones that induce all the innovators to come to your country and design apps for your country. Brent, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you uh, coming in. Thanks for having me, Tim. And that's it for this week's episode of Heritage Explains. Please share a podcast with your friends on social media, and don't forget to subscribe. We love hearing what's on your mind, so after you subscribe to the podcast, don't forget to leave us a comment. We'll see you next week. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? Then subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a podcast breaking down the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court.